Hey, Chris, have you heard that the SEC Speaks is coming back to Washington, D.C. this April 2nd and 3rd? I did, and I'm very excited to be returning to, Kurt, one of the places where we've always found a lot of great content and a shared interest with both what PLI puts out as well as what we talk about here on the Insecurities Podcast. What I love about the program is that nowadays you can attend in person, of course, or online. It's an exciting event, regardless of how you get there. Kurt, I know you and I will be looking to be there in person and really hear some of the great discussion points about where the SEC has been in the past year and maybe where it's going. We hope to see you all there. To learn more about SEC Speaks in 2024, please go to pli.edu slash SEC Speaks. That's pli.edu slash SEC Speaks. And come find us in D.C. in early April. This program is brought to you by the Practicing Law Institute, a nonprofit learning organization dedicated to keeping attorneys, professionals, and accountants at the forefront of knowledge and expertise. Hello and welcome to the Insecurities Podcast, keeping it fresh and staying wonky on securities regulatory and enforcement developments you should be following. I'm Kurt Wolf, and unfortunately, my co-host Chris Ekimoff cannot be with us today, so I'm flying solo on this episode of Insecurities. Watch out, everybody. Uh, we're going to miss Chris, but for our regular listeners who are on Team Chris, I'm told that's a thing, not to worry. He'll be back with us in a couple weeks for episode 40. Yes, believe it or not, episode 40, uh, when we'll sit down with SEC Commissioner Caroline Crenshaw to talk about some investment advisor and broker-dealer regulatory hot topics. In the meantime, we've got a great show lined up today. We're actually going to talk with another expert in the IABD space, Cliff Kirsch, about some of the exciting programs that PLI has lined up in 2021. Let's get to it. Before we dive in, a little background on Cliff. Cliff has more than 25 years experience as a practitioner in the securities regulatory space. Cliff began his career at the SEC, where he received the Cohen Award, which recognizes young lawyers who display outstanding legal ability, integrity, and judgment. He also served as assistant director of the SEC's Division of Investment Management. Cliff later became chief legal officer for one of the country's largest duly registered broker-dealer advisors and subsequently joined Sutherland, now Evershed Sutherland, in 2006. As we'll learn, Cliff is a frequent speaker at PLI and other industry conferences and is the author and editor of two of the leading treatises in the broker-dealer and advisor arena. Cliff is also the co-founder of the Julia Ann Kirsch Foundation, which seeks to serve the needs of disabled individuals and their families. Cliff, you are a busy guy and we're excited to have you on the show. Thanks so much for joining Insecurities. Thanks for having me. Thanks for that introduction, mentioning uh, my time at the SEC, uh, my time now with Evershed Sutherland. Also, thanks for mentioning the uh, Julia Kirsch Foundation. We, uh, we appreciate that. And I should also say, uh, yeah, I've been liking the podcast a lot. You and Chris do a Thank really you. nice job. I, I love the interaction. I, I, I do like that interaction. I love the, uh, <laughs> the accounting securities interplay, and you really do a nice job of keeping it informal and bringing out a lot of nice conversation. So uh, I'm excellent here. So thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Cliff. Appreciate the feedback. Uh, yep, we're definitely going to miss Chris, but we're going to do the best. I get the sense that uh, that you and I are going to have a good a good banter and a good chat today. So yeah, yeah we could team up against him. And yeah, so yeah, I, I, I love it. Feel free to drop in Reg Bi references anytime. You know, he <laughs> loves that kind of thing. So. <laughs> 
as I mentioned, you've done an, an awful lot of work with PLI in addition to all the things you've done, you know, as a practitioner in, in private practice and when you, when you were in-house. Among the things that you've done, you've written uh, or edited two PLI treatises. Uh, you are the editor of PLI's BDIA blog, Regulation in Focus. Uh, you chair several programs every year, including an upcoming program called uh, Securities Law and Practice 2021, How the SEC Works. Uh, we want to focus on that a little bit today. So we're going to talk about all those topics. We're also going to get some of your thoughts about the broader BD and IA regulatory landscape at the end. I mean, no, no pressure just because Commissioner Crenshaw is going to be coming on in a couple of weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but first- Follow her instead uh, yeah. of <laughs> it's easier that way, right? Yeah. But first, let me just ask you because I can I can sympathize with the amount of time that you spend. Uh, it's it's a labor of love, I'm sure. Doing programs with PLI, how does that work? Sort of intersect with, or or maybe bolster your practice. It, it's funny. My time with PLI started as someone who uh, was was at the SEC at the time. One year into the SEC, and I went to uh, it could have been their SEC. Uh, annual conference, I forget what it was, but it, it really you know meant a lot to me at that time because it started connecting connecting things for me. Uh, one year, and and you know PLI's mission has sort of been the same th- so much. I mean, so much has changed, but it's really training, practical perspective, staying current. My work, my association with PLI started with, with the investment advisor treatise. Uh, you know, at the time, uh, Larry Soderquist's treatise was out. And uh, working with PLI and Larry, uh, you know, we came up with the idea of the investment advisor treatise, and that was about 30 years ago. And from there, a number of conferences grew. And you know, Kurt, as, as you mentioned, it, it, it's uh, you know, it's, it's, it's work. It's a, it's a lot of work there. You know, it does sort of leverage the practice. It, it helps the practice, but at the same time, you, you know, you do it because you want to stay current and you want to connect with people and you want to connect with panelists and. Working with the PLI team, you want to connect with the PLI team. That's just like a tremendous support in putting these programs together. So it is uh, a lot of work, but the reason you know we do it, and the reason your guests that you have, you like talking about the issues, you like covering it, you like connecting with folks. So you know, in a way, it's work. In a way, it's sort of what we do. I feel the exact same way about it. And for what it's worth, I can say I, I appreciate the quality product that you put out, you know, time and again. I've I've attended your conferences over the years. You know, I've picked uh, in particular the uh, the investment advisor Tredis off the shelf many times to to sort of pull something out that I needed um, in, in representing a client or trying to answer a question for a client. So, you know, I appreciate the hard work that you put into it and and I know those resources are useful. Uh, and will be useful for anyone who's tuning in. You know, since you said you kind of started by working on uh, on the treatises, let's start there because you have uh, written or, or edited two. Um, one is broker dealer regulation. That's a four volume, four thick volume treatise that was updated last yeah. last November, and it covers things like registration, reporting, and record keeping, suitability, and best X, minimizing liability in the event of legal lapses and compliance programs. Uh, the other treatise is investment advisor regulation, a step-by-step guide to compliance 
and the Law. That's three volumes, and it covers form ADV, advisory contracts, uh, soft dollar arrangements, uh, best execution requirements for investment advisors, uh, record keeping, of course. So that, that's a lot of work. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about those volumes, uh, where our listeners can find them, uh, and, and how you kind of keep current, uh, keep, keep updating them to make sure that folks are getting what they need. Yeah, with with a lot of and, and you know, so we're here today to talk mostly about uh, broker dealer and investment advisor, and also in terms of the treatise collection. Uh, we also have a treatise on financial product fundamentals. We also have a, a mutual funds treatise and one on uh, variable products. Wow, and and a soon to be released one on uh, on fintech. So oh, it's, it's a lot. And you know, with these, I, I started out. You know, I mentioned like you know, over thirty years ago on the investment advisor uh, treatise, and when, when I started. It wasn't even quite sure what, whether it was going to be a one-time offering, whether, whether there would be any updates. And it sort of grew to uh, two updates a year. And I started out writing the, uh, the treatise. And then over time, I, I just grew to, you know, to be editor. So there's a number of chapters that I write, a number of chop chapters that are uh, uh, contributors. Right. Uh, and you know, it all goes back to Kurt, what we were talking about. Like The reason we do this is to connect. We connect with people who attend the program. We connect with uh, you connect with your guests. We connect with the contributors. So, uh, a lot of the updates is, you know, if you're doing this stuff, you have to stay up to date. So mm-hmm. it's you know staying abreast of you no know, action letters, you know, enforcement cases, and just trying to weave it in new new rules. Uh, but it's also you know in addition to sort of the basic of the frameworks of the advisor framework and the broker dealer framework, we also try to have special topics. So you know in addition to segmented topics that are the framework of the Advisors Act in, in terms of the advisor treatise and mm-hmm. segment, you know, the framework of the broker-dealer. We have, for example, in the, in the broker-dealer treatise, a standalone chapter on arbitration. We have a standalone chapter on uh, fintech-related developments. So that, that, that's how we, uh, we, we try to expand it, grow it, keep it current. And, and again, uh, I won't keep on saying it throughout this, but, but just again, like the PLI, <laughs> team is just great. So, so they, they do a lot of the uh, lifting in terms of the editorial staff on the book side, on the treatise side, mm-hmm. and, and the program staff on the uh, conference side. Yeah. You know, and the, the, the other thing that's just a great reference, so it's the hard copy. People certainly, you know, enjoy having the hard copy, but a lot of people access the online library. That's just all the treatises, just beyond the broker-dealer advisor, all the treatises that PLI uh, puts out is just available online. And I just know uh, just just a lot of attorneys sort of just prefer that. Yeah, they do a search and all, all the treatises that may be a hit come up. That, that's another valuable resource. Yeah, it's funny that you mentioned that. I had forgotten about this, but very early in the in the days of COVID, when people were first switching over to work from home, I remember talking to a partner uh, in the firm's New York office who <laughs> was frustrated because she couldn't get her hands on on the treatise that you wrote. And that is when I first realized that it was available online on pli.edu. And we were able, you know, because the firm had a membership, of course, we were able to go on there and pull down the information that we needed. Again, it, it it's actual useful stuff that as a practitioner, I use multiple times a year, but I had forgotten that it was available online. So that's a, that's a perfect plug. And, and I do think, you know, the fact of working remotely sort of drives that home. And I think a lot of people sort of, and I know just personally, I, I, I enjoyed that online access also. Yeah. Same thing. We're, we're a member of PLI and I, I enjoyed that access that we have. 
Yeah, I, I've got to ask you, going a little bit off script here, Cliff, it's been a crazy year for broker-dealers, uh, especially as we've seen some of the new online uh, trading platforms or applications have just explosive growth and experience some uh, perhaps unexpected regulatory hurdles. Are you going to be updating uh, either or both of the treatises uh, sort of in response to meme stock trading and some of the things we've seen in recent months? Well, not specifically that, but but more more broadly, you know, when we talk about COVID, it's sort of amazing, like what we're not talking about today in terms of the regulatory framework. We're not talking about BCP, you know, business continuity. Mm-hmm. There's a sense, wow, the financial industry, it really, it, it really works. Yeah. You know, and, and now sort of the, the thinking, you know, FINRA has, you know, rule, potential rulemaking about what rules of it may change to better allow for a remote environment, to allow financial professionals more access to work remotely, to, to, to better allow firms to do audits remotely, the internal mm-hmm. audits that they're required to do, to allow them to do that remotely. So, you know, FINRA has an active rulemaking on that, and we have a supervisory structure chapter, and a number of chapters I touched that, yeah, so we'll stay... Uh, you know, we'll stay current on that. And then if there's, uh, you know, regulatory developments that, you know, happen on, you know, in terms of specific rules relating to uh, sort of the current development in terms of trading and trading apps, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll cover that. Fantastic. Uh, I mean, part of this is just about being flexible and, and adapting to changing circumstances. And I think, you know, one of the ways you've done that in your role at PLI is developing a blog dedicated to uh, broker-dealer and investment advisor issues. Uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about the blog. I mean, first, where can people find it? But also, you know, what kinds of topics are you covering? And I, and I think you've got one or two uh, recent posts in particular that you are going to tell us about. Thanks for mentioning the blog. You know, it really stands for the fact that there's an awful lot of different ways to sort of communicate information and developments and allow people to yeah. digest it. You know, we have the books, we have the conferences, we have your podcast, <laughs> and you know, the blog is just a, uh, you know, it's another way. And it really grew out of, you know, discussions. I'm sure, you know, Kurt, you and Chris just have, you know, regular conversations with PLI, like how could yeah. we sort of better do what we're doing? What else could we be doing? But it, but it just grew that there could be a need for just more developments that are not as structured as a book or not as formal as a panel presentation, right. but just to allow. And, and so, uh, you, you know, when there's uh, noteworthy items, it could be a legal alert that, that we post or some other sort of content. And it's a PLI BDIA uh, regulation in focus. So I think if people plug in that or they can get there through the PLI website, mm-hmm. you, you know, they could, could access it. Yeah, and we, we just try to stay uh, stay up to date in terms of regulatory developments in the broker-dealer and investment advisor space. And the key thing, again, I, you know, I mentioned, you know, obviously, the conferences are a lot of people. A lot of people have a hand in it because we have, we have you know, great guest, guest speakers who, who come on board. And now it's the same with the book. We have a lot of great contributors and the blog also, we uh, we're always looking for people to uh, to contribute to sort of you, you know share their voice, share share the regular development. It could be a legal alert that they've written or some other content. Just today, we uh, posted a legal alert on Finra's uh, regulatory notice seeking ways in which it can uh, advance diversity and inclusion in the financial services uh, industry. And it'll be interesting to see uh, the type of comments that uh, Finra gets on yeah. that. It's still uh, it's still open. But, you know, I anticipate and, and FINRA uh, asks for like wide ranging comments. It doesn't have to be rule by rule by rule. Right. Let us know whether this inhibits diversity and inclusion. I think it's broad. Like, how can we better 
yeah. uh, advance diversity and inclusion. And, and again, I think that could set the stage for developments at FINRA over the uh, year. That was uh, one post uh, just a couple of weeks ago, a post by uh, uh, Ronick Patel, who wrote on uh, a Texas enforcement action against an SEC registered advisor. But the reason that was interesting is mm. because it, it, it commonly understood that uh, SEC registered advisors are regulated more limited by the states, you know, to the extent that they engage in fraudulent conduct. Certainly the states have, you know, enforcement authority. Right. And uh, this uh, post sort of uh, you know, mentioned that, that it was curious and that there wasn't an express finding of fraud against the advisor. So it sort of just sort of highlighted this and hmm. sort of said, is this, is this you know, directionally shift? Is this something that's uh, noteworthy? So we'll see more of that, but but it just shows you, like, it's, it's all different type of topics we try to uh, just sort of bring out there through the blog. Yeah, well, I, I love both of those. Uh, you know, the second one is certainly interesting to me as more of an enforcement guy. Uh, I actually haven't read that one yet, but it's it's fascinating, and uh, particularly the timing. I think many people expected to see more of that uh, during the last administration when there were some questions about how aggressive uh, SEC enforcement was going to be, and you know whether state securities regulators would need to pick up the slack. Turns out there wasn't. There wasn't that much slack, um, but the timing of this Texas action is certainly interesting. Uh, and then, of course, diversity and inclusion is uh, is something that that Chris and I care a lot about, as does PLI. And uh, we had a really good episode a few weeks ago on that, where we talked about how we can do better in the accounting and legal professions. So uh, maybe they'll want to lob in a comment to uh, to Finra <laughs> with some ideas. Hey, listen, I, I agree that was an excellent uh, an excellent Thank episode, you. and I, I enjoyed that. And uh, Thank you. It sort of caused me to think like like the press in terms of uh, what could everyone do, how how everyone could play a role in it. But but uh, you, you all did a nice job in speaking about that topic. Yeah, thanks for it. You know, in terms of the state uh, federal dynamic, it'll be very interesting to see what happens over the next uh, year in terms of uh, against mm-hmm. the led SEC and the states. Like what what's how collaborative will that be? Yeah. Uh, you know, what may grow out of that? So a lot more to come. So that Texas action. Uh, although it's just isolated, yeah, a lot more to come in, in terms of the whole role of the SEC and the states. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, it's going to be interesting because we've seen some of that over the last year or so. And, you know, I won't mention any uh, particular trading applications in particular, but, uh, you know, we have seen Massachusetts uh, act in in a space where, where the SEC hasn't really yet. Uh, so, yeah, I agree with you. There may be a developing tension or or maybe they just need to kind of iron out you know, who's going to, who's going to claim what turf, but definitely interesting yeah. times. And it, it could be collaborative at the same time. It, yeah. It could, yeah. Uh, well, you know, maybe, maybe we'll see, uh, I, I know you were joking before in terms of regulation, best interest, maybe we'll see a, uh, <laughs> uh, like a joint round table, uh, the SEC, FINRA and the States or something like that. We, we haven't seen that uh, to date, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see what grows out of just how the regulators themselves look to communicate, Yeah, you, you know, a, a, a joint position or not. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I, I think that's a, that's a great idea. They, I think they should. I think a lot of people in the industry would love that because at least you know you know the rules. Then I mean, people may not necessarily like the rules, but if you know what they are, you can figure out how to play yeah. by them or not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Well, let's pivot and talk a little bit about uh, about some of the programs that you chair. I've got sort of a list of them here of what I see coming up on the calendar for you. Of course, as I mentioned, we want to talk a little bit more in depth about securities law and practice in 2021, how the SEC works. So I'm going to skip that for now. But we have in just a, a couple of weeks, Fundamentals of Investment Advisor Regulation 2021. In July, we have Fundamentals of Broker-Dealer Regulation 2021. I believe that's an annual. I know I've done that one a couple of times, and it's always it's always a really good program with, uh, with strong panelists. Uh, and then looking a little bit farther out into the calendar, uh, you are going to have uh, ESG Considerations for Asset Managers, the Emerging Regulatory Framework Applying to Investment Funds and Investment Advisors. I think that's set for September. Uh, and then November, just in time for Turkey Day, we've got Financial Services RegTech and Regulatory Compliance Forum 2021. I don't know if you want to tell us a little bit more about any of those in particular, or if you just want to plug the ones that are coming up, but it's it, it's a lot. So um, what, are you, what are you looking forward to there? What would you encourage folks to tune into? Yeah, you know, maybe just a couple uh, thoughts in like in order. Uh, the, the PLI advisor uh, conference, as you mentioned, is uh, you know is coming up, and, and we we do have a, a very very strong uh, strong faculty. And you know, part of the exercise you mentioned, sort of what, what goes into it. You know, we're working with PLI. We sort of get a top faculty, and now we're sort of doing those you know the panel prep calls, like really just trying to sort out the approach. But just just given where we are in terms of like new roommate, we have a a, a fresh panel that we uh, haven't offered before just on the SEC marketing rule because the SEC yeah. just uh, adopted a new uh, a new advertising rule, the new marketing rule that's uh, very significant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we're going to sort of spend a, uh, uh, you know, an hour, you know, 75 minutes just on that talking about compliance issues with that. We have a uh, standalone panel on uh, state regulation, private funds. We're talking about current trends, you know, ESG, so a, a lot there. And we have an overview panel. With, with all of these, we try to sort of get it if, if you're advanced that, that, you know, we could speak to you. But also we try to have a couple of introductory panels for those who are newer to, yeah. uh, to the practice. Same thing with the broker-dealer. Uh, in July, we have a, a couple of introductory panels. Who is a BD? What is a BD? What's the definition? How do the regulators work with, with one another? Then we have a, a, a state regulation panel, a, uh, a panel on uh, FINRA. What does FINRA do? The overview. And then we have a mm-hmm. FinTech panel. And then, yeah, the ESG panel for asset managers is, is brand new. So we're shaping it now. You know, we hope to start off with like lay of the land terminology, but really asset manager focused. Really the range of those like impact funds versus those that are just, you know, integrating ESG philosophies into their practice and so what is the exam focus like, you know, making yeah. sure that disclosures line up with practice and, and that one's being uh, shaped now, that uh, that program. That sounds fascinating. It's certainly a, a timely topic. I mean, we've uh, we've talked about ESG in particular on a number of episodes and uh, we had a really great conversation with Commissioner Hester Purse about ESG, oh, uh, maybe a month and a half or, yep. or, or so ago now. So it's great to see that you are you know building out new programs to sort of respond to what's going on in, in the regulatory environment. I think that's that's great for the folks that tune in to PLI. Um, and you know another thing that that I think you tend to do, which I like, is get folks from the regulators to to come 
talk about, you know, either what their priorities are or how they're thinking about particular issues. Uh, do you have any, any good headliners coming up in these programs? We do. We have a wide assortment of SEC, uh, SEC staffers on the investment advisor uh, panel. Uh, program on, uh, you know, same with uh, the, the broker-dealer panel. Uh, I, I know we're going to be talking about the SEC, you know, inside the SEC, and obviously that yeah. has uh, uh, SEC folks at all. So, yeah, all, all of these programs, we try to bring on board the SEC staff, and, and it's great because they give, like, an invaluable uh, perspective. They, they really take you inside and sort of talk about it. And, and one of the good things about, about these, like, it's uh, you know, a lot of times we have uh, SEC folks tuning into the panel to listen to FINRA, the state, it's really, uh, it's really nice. It's really just a time to like pause and say, let's understand the framework. Let's get some common questions out. So that, you know, that's one thing we, you know, we, we try to do with these programs as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, you always do a terrific job and, and somehow the, the folks uh, who, who are coming to speak from the regulators, they're always very candid on these panels, which I, I like, you know, sometimes you go to conferences and, and they feel a little bit cagey. And I don't know if that's because they're sitting in a, in a huge room of people uh, and, and they feel less comfortable. But I've noticed particularly over the last year in these remote conferences, I just feel like it's a very open conversation. It just kind of feels like, you know, the Zoom I would be having with my team on a Tuesday, which is, you know, it's really good. I think it's one of the, the secret silver linings that's come out of COVID. Um, so, you know, congrats and, and thanks to you and the folks who, who moderate your panels for doing that so well. Yeah, no, th- thanks for uh, thanks for mentioning that. We really appreciate that. So that's sort of a perfect segue, I think, to talk about um, a- another one of the programs. It's what we kind of want to focus on today, which is uh, PLI's Securities Law and Practice 2021, how the SEC works program. And as you just put it, that's sort of a, a peek inside the SEC, or I think that's the intention. This is a, a new program, I think. Is that right? This version is new. We, we've been doing the program for, uh, for a number of years. And it's usually a uh, a longer program. Typically goes a, a half day. This one we uh, we put together with a view to offering it in uh, June. So it's a little off cycle uh, in two sessions, two two panels. And the, the the thing that we're trying to to leverage is the timing. You know, the fact that so much is happening at the SEC with the new transition. So we really wanted to try to capture the transition. So that's why we, uh, we we put to get we put it together off cycle as a uh, two panel program in June. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about the panels. Um, I mean, I think that's a perfect elevator pitch, and I mean, I know I'm going to tune in, but you you know you already knew that. Uh, so the two panels are uh, first one I think is called Inside the SEC: uh, How the SEC Works. The panelist from the commission is uh, Richard Best, who is the regional director of the SEC in New York. And then you also have Annette Nazareth of Davis Polk, who uh, I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast knows. Uh, But tell us a little bit more about that panel. What are they going to talk about? Yeah, well, you know, the program, you know, itself is, you know, it really grew out of, you know, again, conversations with PLI, uh, but but really... uh, like a need if you're going to practice in this area, you have to, uh, uh, of course, understand the federal securities laws. But but how does the SEC do what it needs to do? How, how does it get done? Yeah. What do the different divisions do? What does the regional office do? How does how does the SEC fit into the overall regulatory scheme of regulated entities or securities regulation? Like really just focusing less on the federal securities laws and more on 
you know, functional activity of the SEC. And the first panel is a, a look at the SEC, a look inside the SEC. How is the SEC organized? How do the offices re, uh, relate to one another? How does the SEC speak? What's the difference between the SEC and the staff? What's the difference between rulemaking and a no action letter versus mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. an informal guidance? Uh, you know, it, it's really uh, geared for you know, you know those who are you know so, somewhat familiar or maybe newer to SEC practice and getting them more comfortable. With, with any of those uh, you know, panelists, the, you know, the first panel is Annette Nazareth, uh, then Richard Best and uh, Julie Riri from, uh, from Debevoy, mm-hmm. uh, who, who used to be co-chief of the uh, Asset Management uh, Division of Enforcement. Uh, any of them, you, you could, it's easy to moderate. You could just say, yeah. you let us know in an hour, 15, you know, just say what you need to, because you just want to hear them. But, but yeah, yeah, it'll be a discussion. So it's really going to you know, look at the different offices, what the different offices do, how they relate to one another and things like that. Uh, and we hope to leave the 75 minutes with people having a very good understanding of the uh, the structure and the operation of the SEC. I think it sounds like a very valuable panel discussion. I remember um, years ago when I was you know, a, a younger practitioner and still learning the space a little bit, attending a panel with, a, with several of the regional directors. And I was fascinated uh, to hear how they communicate with one another, you know, how priorities trickle down to the regional offices from headquarters, uh, and even how you know, the members of the enforcement staff in the different divisions deal with matters where there may be uh, overlapping geography or or yeah. topics that may be of interest to to the staff in more than one office. So I learned a lot from that. It sounds like you're going to kind of get at some of those issues here as well. That's exactly right. That's yeah, because there's there's a lot that goes into uh, just the running of the SEC before you see a rule, before you see yeah a position. Yeah, how how does it do what it does? So that that's right. It's always good to know how the how the sausage is made, whether you're an enforcement person or a regulatory advisory practitioner. I, I do think it helps you in your practice, give better advice to your clients. But so does sort of looking looking around the corner, right? And so I think that's maybe what we're thinking about with the second panel of the day, which is called the SEC in 2021. Tell us a little bit about that panel. Yeah, so that one is uh, is just just like you say, Kurt. A, a look at what the regulatory uh, agenda is likely going to be uh, at the SEC, and that's going to be more topical. It's going to look at what 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 the regulatory priorities are going to be. So uh, you know, on that one, we have you know, a number of the major you know, senior legal counsel from the major industry groups. So we have Susan Olson from the Investment Company Institute General Counsel, mm-hmm. Laura Grossman from the Investment Advisor Association. Uh, Ira Hammerman, the C- uh, general counsel of uh, SIFMA, mm-hmm. Scott uh, Borges from uh, the University of Texas at Austin, but who was previously at the SEC. Right. And just really talking about the priorities. And, and it's sort of an interesting time now. It's, a, it's really a good time to have it because a number of the industry trade groups are sending in you know, industry letters to against yeah. laying out you know, their hopes for the SEC or, or you know, you know, what, what they'd like to see as regulatory priorities. And for those who are newer to sort of practice, those, those are interesting to get a hand on and read as well. Uh, because it really you know, gives, gives a, a suggestion or some hints about what, what things the SEC may be thinking about. Those letters, again, just the industry's wish list, what, what the industry is hoping the SEC 
focuses on or, or, or maybe not focus on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll be interested to see if they have uh, comments about the the role of the SEC's uh, director of enforcement. You know, the industry had an awful lot to say a few weeks ago when when we had and uh, and lost a new director over the course of a, of about a week or so. But that's me again. I, I have an enforcement bias. Are there things that that you're going to be watching for during the conference um, that you're hoping to learn or take away? It'll be interesting to see what the uh, you know the representatives say. You know, in terms of meetings they've had with the uh, you know staff, their general sense, general tenor, the feedback they got, what what sort of follow up. Uh, and, and you know, by the time of the conference, you know, it's still so. It'll be interesting to see where we are in the transition. It'll be very interesting mm-hmm. to see what positions have been uh, filled. When, when the enforcement position was filled several weeks ago, and I, you know, I realize I have like you know, special circumstances at the time, uh, right. but yeah. I, I have thought that wow, we, we may see you know the division heads being filled yeah, very quickly. rolling out. It's not quite. It's not quite clear where we are with that right now. You've got a couple of weeks, so you never know that some of that might start to take shape before your panelists uh, hit the virtual stage. You you do have, as you mentioned, this uh, ESG conference coming in the fall. Uh, are you going to be keeping your eye on any conversations around things like climate risk disclosure or a possible um, ESG disclosure rulemaking? Certainly by the time of the uh, conference, we'll see where the SEC it is with respect to the request for comments that went out uh, under, you know, acting chair uh, Lee, you know, the comment period runs up in, in a couple of weeks. You know, we have mm-hmm. probably until uh, mid-June or so. It'll be very interesting to see, you know, there, there seems to be some momentum for, you know, the SEC to encourage the TF, TCFD uh, task force guidelines on uh, climate risk risk disclosure. We'll, we'll, you know, we'll see what comes of that if, if there's any... Uh, you know, endorsement or encouragement or anything like that. We'll see what the SEC has to say. But but just from, from everything you hear in terms of Chairman Gentler's testimony, confirmation hearing, it really seems like he'll just pick up where uh, acting Chair Lee, you know, set in process, you know, with, with the SG. I think that's right. You know, we, we've seen uh, Chair Gensler a couple of times now, um, you know, before the House Financial Services Committee and Senate Banking on a, on a couple of different hearings. And I mean, I think it's been interesting some of the things that they've that they've focused on during the course of those hearings. You know, if I think all the way back to his confirmation hearing, I think th- we talked a lot more about materiality, for example, than than what many people might have expected. I'm sure that you've you know you've watched and, and read about his performances at these hearings. I mean, do you have any uh, any hot takes on what we should expect from Chair Gensler? You know, one thing, and, and again, it's, it's hard not to get back to regulation best interests, as you mentioned <laughs> in the introduction. But uh, yeah, you, you know, in terms of, well, what he, you know, certainly like ESG is like a major area and right. obviously digital assets, uh, like another, you know, major, major focus. But in terms of uh, regulation best interest, it'll be interesting to see uh, what, what exactly plays out. And, you, you know, what, what we heard is, you know, Chair Gensler saying, you know, I'll be, I'll, I'll be an enforcer. We'll, we'll make regulation best interest live up to its name, but we're not necessarily going to uh, shred it or get rid of it. Not, you know, we're not looking to do that initially. We're, you, you know, and, and what will go into the process of getting an understanding of how regulation best interest uh, is living up to its name? What does it mean? And, it, you, you, you know, there was another program you had recently that talked about principle-based regulation that, that touched yeah. on that. 
uh, you know, and the point was made, you know, you know when you have principle-based regulation uh, and then you have sort of people sort of looking to apply the uh, principles, it's, it, it's a, a logical next step. We'll, we'll, we'll see what comes of it. Uh, the Division of Exams and their phase two exams of regulation best interest. We'll see if a report comes out of that, if exam deficiencies come out of that. Uh, there's just a whole lot of questions, you know, in terms of where we are with regulation best interest and what a uh, you know, chair counselor may look to do with it. And then we get to the whole issue of uh, SEC versus state, you know, that dialogue yeah. that we talked about. Yeah, I like that. I'm 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 certainly going to be following that. Um, it'll be interesting to see if if your panelists kind of pick up on that and talk about it at all uh, at the conference in a couple of weeks here. As you know, Cliff, we like to do something a little fun with our guests before we we wrap up the show. This is sometimes known as the lightning round, although it's not always that fast, as you know. <laughs> but we've got a, a couple questions for you, and, and we're going to continue to kind of focus on some of the good work that you've done with PLI. You know, we've been talking a little bit about how we've all had to transition to a work from home environment. We've, we've now been doing it I mean, for, for more than a year, believe it or not. I got to slow it down to think, but yeah, there is one. First of all, no, no horror story, but Good. one where, uh, where where the person had to get up and say, excuse me, and ask someone who was vacuuming to go to another level of the, uh, <laughs> no. so that, yeah, that, that definitely does stand out. I, I won't say which, who the person was or what, but <laughs> that's funny. He's not proud of having to do that, but yeah, that was one. But I got to tell you, I, I was really worried at first with uh, yeah, how well virtual will people drop off, like like speakers drop off not knowing. And, uh, mm-hmm. and again, they, they went well. They went well. Miss, you know, you certainly miss the audience interaction. But but again, the virtual uh, really did go off well. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, like I said, I, I think I don't know if this is sort of a, a result of the kind of Zoom like, you know, format that, that the presenters see as as panelists. But it just feels very candid you know i think it's it's harder when you're all sitting at a table sort of side by side in a row and i think when you're actually kind of looking at each other in a, in a zoom room um i don't know it just it feels it feels really good to me so I, I don't know you're gonna have to figure out how to keep that going when we get back in person which is sort of my second question right so you've told me a, a sort of funny story that happened in a virtual conference do you have any that have happened live that you recall where you know yeah. just something kind of went sideways in the middle yeah you, you know uh we had a uh, a keynote speaker who just mixed up the date and uh, just forgot oh, no. about it didn't come and uh he ended up having to call in but in that day like an agent was just so unique to have like a, like a call and now i think we would accept it more somebody would be zoomed in or something <laughs> there was just a voice and they were looking at me on the podium while this person was speaking but that was that one uh, a mix up in dates and, and again separate from from that story but yeah we, we used to you know years ago once in a while there'd be a uh, change in travel plans or somebody from dc couldn't get to new york because of a uh, storm. And then, mm-hmm. you know, in the last five years, you know, we've been able to sort of video cast them, but it do- doesn't work. Like it, even that was more primitive to what we would do now today in terms yeah. of, I think it'd be more seamless being able to do sort of have like people come by, uh, you know, by video and, and come, come in remotely. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we've sort of talked about it a little bit, just, just being excited to get to go back to some of these conferences in, in person. So, I mean, tell me either, what have you sort of missed the most about that or, or what are you uh, most looking forward to when we can finally all get together again? Yeah, I've been doing it for a lot of years. I, I started when everybody used to come in a, uh, every, you know, all the programs used to be live. They were not on demand at all. People would come, you know, in a suit, no casual, and they would stay the, the full time, you, you know, n- never get called away with messages or anything because yeah. you didn't access phones. And then. So, you know, you know, now, you know, I am looking forward to the in-person. I really do think a, a lot of people are, and it really is. Uh, not necessarily the delivery, but it, it is the before and after that 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 yeah. ability to sort of connect with attendees, even joke with the panelists beforehand in the coffee room uh, yeah. and after you know get questions from uh, from the attendees even even outside the actual formal presentation. It's that you know it gets back to Kurt how we started. It's all about connecting right. uh, and it's so sort of that personal connection before or after the program. All right. So the, the last one for you, uh, this this could be a softball or not. We'll see how it goes. Uh, or, or maybe you just, if, if you want to get a little misty, that's fine too. But uh, in, in all your years working with PLI, what has been your most rewarding experience? Uh, and, and before you answer, it's okay if you want to say coming on insecurities, you know, we'll accept that as, as an answer. <laughs> but no, seriously, what, what, has, uh, what has been the most rewarding thing about your association with PLI? It is an easy one because it really is working with the team there. They, you know, I've gotten to know them over 20 years. I just know a lot of them. A good relationship. It's really growing ideas and really, you know, their ability to to execute. Even like this podcast, like their ability to sort of execute a podcast, the blog, they're able to do quickly. So it, it really is sort of the relationship with uh, PLI and what they what they bring to the table. Yeah, I agree. It's it's been great for for Chris and me as well. They are talented in a number of disciplines, you know, whether it's podcast, audio production, or, you know, helping getting, uh, you know, something out in print. They're, they're just, they're great. So I'm glad to be on the team too. Cliff, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us today. I would encourage all of our listeners to attend the upcoming Securities and Law Practice 2021 conference. Also, check out the BDIA blog. Again, that is at bdia.pli.edu. Cliff, thanks for being with us. Great. Thanks for having me. Take care. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Insecurities Podcast. And a special thanks to our guest, Cliff Kirsch of Evershed Sutherland. I know I'll be tuning into several of the programs Cliff chairs, and we hope you will too. As always, we'd love to hear from our listeners about how we're doing. Please send us your thoughts, comments, and recommendations for future episodes using the hashtag InsecuritiesPod on Twitter or LinkedIn. You can find me on Twitter at Enforce underscore Update. And even though he's not here, you can find Chris on Twitter at CPA. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to Insecurities, a podcast from PLI, the Practicing Law Institute. PLI is a nonprofit provider of authoritative professional services training and continuing education. In an increasingly complex business environment where intricate corporate structures reign, insecurities can help you make sense of it all. A special thanks goes to the producer of insecurities, Daniel Pinitz, as well as hosts Chris Ekimoff and Kurt Wolf.
For more information about PLI's SEC Institute or to view hundreds of hours of fresh and relevant on-demand programming covering changes within the security sector, visit pli.edu membership and sign up for a privileged membership. These recorded materials are designed for educational purposes only. This podcast does not constitute legal, audit, tax, consulting, business, financial, investment, or other professional advice, and it does not create an attorney-client relationship. Please consult a qualified professional advisor before taking any action based on the information herein. Furthermore, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the individual participants. These views are not the views of the hosts or their employers. Users of this podcast may save and use the podcast only for personal or other non-commercial educational purposes. No other use, including without limitation, reproduction, retransmission, or editing of this podcast may be made without the prior written permission from PLI.